there's always more we can do the days the weeks zip by and it's very very easy to do nothing or to not plan to do anything around your personal development or to do things by chance when I say that I planned for 18 months to move into a director of fundraising role it was that process that started it I think what I've learned over the years, particularly working with others around their career development, is that it's not always about upward progression. Sometimes it's about doing something else in, entirely, or sometimes it's about a lateral move. Sometimes it's about accepting, I love what I do and I don't want to move up. I might want to do it for a different organisation, but actually I'm really happy. So I wouldn't want anyone to listen to this and uh, think that it's all about upwards movement. I think what I'm advocating is thinking about your career and professional development based on what's going to make you really happy and enable you to fulfil your potential. Welcome back to the Fundraising Bright Spots show. This is episode 131. This is the show for anyone who works in fundraising and who wants ideas, examples and a dose of encouragement to help you raise more money and love your job. Now the show has grown so much since those first few episodes that I tentatively shared in the autumn of 2019, I realised that if you started listening in the last couple of years, there's a really good chance that you've never heard some of our early episodes. And to me, that's a shame because some of those early topics are still as relevant today as they ever were. And we got some really great feedback about many of them. So I've decided that when I have time, I'm gonna share some of these popular episodes from the archive. Now, one tough challenge for many of us is how to be proactive and find the time to think about and develop your career at the same time as doing your best in your busy existing job. So I was really pleased to get the chance back in November 2019 to sit down with Liz Tate, who was then Director of Fundraising at Teenage Cancer Trust, and who is now Director of Fundraising at Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital Charity. As you'll hear, Liz has for many years believed in the power of ongoing learning to help us make progress in our jobs and our careers. In this chat, she explained what's worked for her and many other people that she's worked with. I've had the privilege to interview Liz several times over the years, and each time I've left the conversation really encouraged by what's possible, and this was no different. I hope you like it too. Hello Liz, welcome to the podcast. Hi there Rob, I'm pleased to be here. Great. In today's interview, I wanted to get your advice to do with managing a fundraiser's career or someone's not sure whether they're staying in one job for too long or if they would at some point like to reach director level, various things you've learned along the way. But just as a way of leading into that, um, do you want to give me a tiny snapshot of, of your journey so far? Sure. So actually this year I've been a fundraiser for 20 years. So I went straight from university doing a marketing degree and knew that that was what I wanted to do and was very passionate and very lucky to land my first job actually at a charity called Plan International when I was almost 21. So I started young and really feel so privileged to have worked in a sector where most days it doesn't feel like work and it's incredibly rewarding. I also feel very lucky to work with some brilliant people and for some brilliant people and I think that it's often the people you work for and with that really enable 
you in in your career. So I've got a lot of people that I have to thank for the progression that I've made in my career. But a time that was really formative for me was when I was at the Red Cross. And I look back now and still remember it with a huge amount of fondness. It was an amazing time to be there working for Mark Astorita when he was their fundraising director. And he put an awful lot of faith in me as a 25-year-old coming in to manage a a team that was overseeing an investment in direct marketing at that time. It was my dream job and I was very lucky. But what I learned towards the end of my time at the Red Cross was just how much you can do to take control of your own career and your own progression. So it was almost 10 years into my career where I had a bit of a light bulb moment and began to understand what I was capable of, but equally what I could do to influence um, what I did in in the future and I think it's important for me to share that I decided at that time that I wanted to work towards a director of fundraising role but then planned that for 18 months before I even went to an interview and the Red Cross were incredibly supportive in that time to enable me to get the experience and the professional development to take the step up and I don't think that organisations, charities or indeed companies were good enough at creating our own plans. We often have something tagged on to the end of an appraisal, our PDP, where we tend to kind of list one or two training courses that we might want to go on next year or a breakfast club with Rob Woods that we might want to attend. But we don't often, and I think as managers, we're often guilty of this think beyond those formal training opportunities. So, I mean, I can talk a bit more later if it's helpful about the kind of steps I took, but it was it was that time and, and that planning and that support I had that enabled me to go from being a specialist fundraiser in direct marketing to a generalist um, fundraiser into a more senior role. And then I moved on to Battersea and was there for eight years, eight very, very happy, very fun years that were also um, with a lot of hard graph featured in there too but I really am grateful for the time I had there and the opportunity I had to create a whole new new fundraising team and program and I guess it was doing that director of fundraising role at Battersea that's enabled me to take on this great gig now at Teenage Cancer Trust and to be in another brilliant organization with with big plans ahead so that's kind of a, a bit of background but happy to talk more. Mm, thank you very much, Liz. One thing that I find really interesting is that we're just doing the day to day as well as we can. We might be aware of some things we're good at, but we're also always aware of some of our frailties. And I think very often a person can be unaware of just how well they're doing and, and how high their potential might be. So could you offer any views on what it was that helped you? kind of think differently and think bigger and dare to believe to really go for a more senior trajectory? Yeah, well, I think it comes back to the people that I worked with who almost forced me to think about it and encouraged me to do that, which was a great starting point. You know, Mark Astorita was quite clear to me that he would have been disappointed if I didn't go for something <laughs> at a more senior level at a time when I didn't really even think that was an option. And at the Red Cross, I then went forward to a programme that they had at the time. They were investing in a talent programme for the first time. And I was lucky to be on that. And that made me think differently because I was suddenly on a programme where they were investing time and energy in me, but they also expected me 
to do things as well. So the guy who was running that programme, he only had eight of us. So he would pop up quite regularly at the end of my desk and ask me what I was doing in terms of my development. Mm. So I suddenly had someone who was holding me to account. And you know, when time gets busy, as fundraisers, we're always busy. There's always more we can do. The days, the weeks zip by. And it's very, very easy to do nothing or to not plan to do anything around your personal development or to do things by chance or to go on one or two short training courses. But suddenly I had someone saying, what are you going to do? Who was also making me write it down, reflect on it and plan what I was going to do next. (laughs) So that was really helpful. And it made me realise that having someone holding you account was really important equally taking the time to plan and to do around personal development was also really important and to enable me to fulfill my responsibility to this guy called John I would block out Monday evenings in my diary that was the time I was right this is personal development time (laughs) and uh, it didn't stop me doing things other times too but that was the time where each week I would sit back and plan what was coming next was I going to go meet with a buddy next week connect with a new mentor was I going to get involved in another project or was I going to do some shadowing of someone else in another area of fundraising so I had that time set aside and when time is precious I think if you're serious about it you do need to to commit the time to it and put that that time aside and to put the time aside not just for the big things but for the all of the the small actions that when you take them add up to something much greater and more significant Mm. and what I would find was one thing would often lead to the next so if I shadowed someone on a certain project or I met with a certain mentor or a buddy it would often make me think slightly differently about something or it would make me think about okay the next thing that I would find really useful would be this. So at the time, it became quite organic quite quickly and enabled me to gain quite a lot of momentum around my personal development. Mm. And I'm ashamed to say it's not a practice that I continue to this day in the way that I would like to. But that's, you know, again, life has got even fuller with children. But it's certainly something that I would advocate if people are thinking about How do I move on in my career? What is it that I want to to do next? So if the listeners are thinking, well, that's nice, Liz. Your charity had a a deliberate Mm programme. So that clearly did make it so much easier because there was a structure. And even if there were days when one didn't instinctively have the time or the willpower, that structure just forced something to happen and some time to be spent there. But even if not... At its simplest, one key bit of advice I hear you're saying is just schedule some regular time once a week or once a fortnight, yeah. you know, in an evening or in a coffee shop for 45 minutes. Take one particular notebook each time in which you track what you have been doing and how that's going and what mm-hmm. you might learn from it and what the other things are in your plan that you haven't got round to yet, but you might like to. So that sounds very doable. But only if we're really serious, it's not going to happen unless actually we've decided on a particular direction we'd like to go in. Absolutely. No, I fundamentally believe it's about personal responsibility. And actually, most of us can take those steps at any one time, even if you don't have the equivalent of John popping up at the end of your desk. You know, we've all got friends or family members or colleagues who can help hold us to account. Yeah. And we can potentially have a role in, in doing that for others too. So I think that so much of what we can do around our personal development is reliant on ourselves and not not other people 
So we shouldn't wait for others to create those opportunities. There's a lot that we can can do ourselves to create opportunities to learn. Yeah. Well, although I think it is really interesting the lesson you learned, you were on the receiving end of a colleague telling you something. And that's a really useful thing to the listeners who are managers, who are leaders, just what a difference that can make to others, to your colleagues and to the sector. Would you just speak to that idea momentarily when it's the shoe is on the other foot of what you've learned to do as a leader in help giving that slightly more directive and, and challenging feedback and encouragement to people in your teams? Sure. Well, I think as a starting point, as, as managers and leaders, we need to understand the individuals and what it is that motivates them and what career progression means to them. Because often when we think about it, we think it means upwards progression and we think it means kind of bigger job title, bigger pay, um, those kinds of things. Whereas to me, what I've learned over the years is for different people, it means different things. So as a starting point, when I'm talking to someone that I work with, whether they're a direct report or or not about career progression, I asked to do an exercise that that I had to do kind of 10 years ago as part of the, the program. And it was an exercise that really helped me identify where I wanted to go. And it was really simple. I was asked to go away and find five job descriptions of jobs that really caught my eye. Things that I thought, yes, that's the kind of thing I would like to do next. And the one rule was to not rule things out or to not rule yourself out of things. So you could go away and look at jobs that you would usually have said, no, I haven't got the experience to do that, or that's not for me. So as a first step, taking away that restriction that I would usually put on myself, I went away and I came back with five job descriptions that were pretty much identical. They're all director of fundraising jobs. So that was quite a clear answer for me in terms of what I wanted to do next and what I wanted to aspire to. Because previously, I would have looked at those person specs and thought, oh, well, I haven't got that experience or I haven't done this, I don't know that. And I wouldn't have taken it seriously. And I think that was the next stage of the exercise then was to plot out, well, if that's what you want to aspire to, and this is what's in the person spec, how do you make sure you're best placed to apply for those kind of roles. So what are your gaps and how do we go about filling them? And that's quite a simple but powerful exercise, again, that any of us can do at any time. And it's something I've done quite a lot with people over the years. And often I've found that people come back with five different job descriptions. So it doesn't always you know, give clarity in terms of what next, but it can sometimes lead to then discussions about a more exploratory approach to... CPD or continuous professional development because if that exercise identifies there are a few areas that really get you excited you can then design your own development plan around really understanding those different disciplines or those different career paths and exploring whether they would be right for you or not so I think I've always found that to be a really useful exercise even if it doesn't give a really clear answer it gives a pathway for a a development plan so that's something that i would encourage managers to do to begin to understand their people and what's right for them hey it's rob i wanted to briefly jump in in case you'd like to get a much deeper level of training and coaching support than is possible in these short podcast episodes i'm really proud of our bright spot members club which gives you full-time access to our fundraising training library 
as well as a live workshop or masterclass every week. Rather than have me explain, I thought it would be most helpful if you could hear from someone who's used these resources. So here's a short clip from Pippa Hind-Walsh. I've been a member of Brightspot Members Club for a couple of years now and also attended Brock's Mastery course. It's been amazingly helpful for me all the way through. I uh, had lots of different things to juggle as I've been going and I was new to the role a couple of years ago. So having the Members Club and all the resources on the Members Club there to refer to and to help me and to help my confidence was amazing. It's been a huge source of support for me. You know, sometimes fundraising can be a bit of a lonely world, especially if you work for a small fundraising team. People have different areas of expertise having that resource to go to, to to give you inspiration and to help you out and to grow your confidence is huge. Um, but also having that community and the chance to meet other amazing fundraisers who are probably going through the same challenges as you um, and that you can bounce your, your ideas off is absolutely key. If you'd like to find out more about either the Bright Spot Members Club, the Corporate Mastery Programme or any of our other training programmes, go to brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. So thank you, Liz. If I could interject there, there's a couple of things I really like about that. Number one, we're just doing this as an exercise, as research, rather than, oh, dear, I need a new job. Look at yeah. look at the research. Oh, no, I can't, not qualified for any of those. I'll just go back to what I was doing, which um, it's a looking to the future way of doing it. But then crucially, what I love about it, the question is not what are you able to do? It's what what would you love to do? Yeah. And quite deliberately switch off the judging bit of our brain, which says, "Don't be a fool. You can't do that. You've never, you've yeah. never managed corporate fundraising before." So, quite deliberately doing the exercise in that way allows a a person often to get greater clarity on what they want, and then you can do the gap filling for what we might do to help us get there. Yeah. But also, the, I think the other thing about it is, I, I sense not only clarity but also it might evoke more pull motivation, kind of being inspired to the dream of what you do want rather than push motivation which only lasts so far of trying to, to get out of what you don't want so if, if it can ignite that spark of inspiration uh, I think it, it's a really surprisingly simple tactic that can do those helpful things I think so and, and when I say that I planned for 18 months to move into a director of fundraising role it was that process that started it because I could then see exactly what my gaps were and what I learned was I would be best placed to go for a director role if I had three examples against each kind of element of the person's spec. So it doesn't mean that I had to have done corporate fundraising personally, but if there were different insights or different examples I could draw upon as part of an interview, that would enable me to have confidence. So a lot of the process was about confidence building, I think, at the time. And again, I don't think you need to be in a big organisation with a, a shiny programme to enable you to, to do that. So if you're really serious about it, you can do that with yourself or, and, and with the support of others around you. It seems like so much of it is more likely to happen if you can get at the very least one person who can be your partner in crime. They yeah. might, might be a former colleague who you always got on well. I mean, there might be a a paid coach, but but more likely a mentor who you can have some of these conversations with, A, for a little extra accountability, but B, just for that outside perspective, because very often I think we might overthink our weaknesses and not see our potential. Yeah, yeah. And someone who knows yeah, yeah. us well, I mean, they might always be right, but I think it's much more 
likely that they can see the wood for the trees in our potential. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. And I think it's also important to stress the career progression should be planned based on what's going to make you happy and what's going to really enable you to do something you love every day and is going to give you that great feeling at the end of the day and helps you get out of bed in the morning and go to to work fired up and I think what I've learned over the years particularly working with others around their career development is that it's not always about upward progression sometimes it's about doing something else entirely or sometimes it's about a lateral move sometimes it's about accepting I love what I do and I don't want to move up I might want to do it for a different organization but actually I'm really happy so I wouldn't want anyone to listen to this and think that it's all about upwards movement I think what I'm advocating is thinking about your career and professional development based on what's going to make you really happy and enable you to fulfill your potential yeah and I really like that distinction between what you really enjoy doing compared to what you're good at Absolutely. And I think that it's so important to take time to think about that. And I often do an exercise with people called what's important to you. I'm sure you can find it if you Google it. Um, But it's essentially going through different factors that influence your satisfaction at work. And I think it helps you identify what are the most important things about the next role that you go for. And when I was at the Red Cross, the most important things I identified were the person I was going to work for actually was really important and equally being able to be involved in something that was about making big change and delivering real growth. So I decided they were the two most important factors to me, more important than size of team, salary, those kind of factors. So it's key to take the time to think about what are those two or three things that will make you unhappy if they're not there or indeed really happy if they are. And, you know, a real reality for me, thinking about moving on to Battersea, those two factors didn't change, actually. It was still those two things that were really important. But layered on top of that was the ability to make work work with my personal life and my family. But I would suggest that when you're planning your next move to, to take the time to think about that too, because there are so many different things that make you thrive or make you happy in a job not just the job title or the role. A lot of other factors come into play. And do you have any thoughts about what has worked for you or advice for us in in realising what various options we've got to get better at a thing that currently isn't in our role? Sure. Well, I mean, I'm a big believer in uh, being a yes person and for pushing yourself forward and just saying, yeah, I'll take that piece of work on or, or I'll do X, Y, Z. But also for volunteering within the sector, I think that that's been a big part of my life for the last 10 years and has undoubtedly helped me understand the charity sector better, which therefore enables me to do a better job. So I would encourage people to think about the volunteering opportunities that are out there within our sector to think about um, getting involved with other charities, being a trustee, to really understand um, good governance and and fundraising at different organisations to give you a different kind of view on on the world. And I would also really encourage making as many connections in the sector as you can. So I get a lot of advice and strength and joy from meeting with others, be they other fundraising directors, consultants, people at other levels within the profession who who have different backgrounds. So I'm a big believer in finding mentors and buddies wherever you can. 
and taking the time to meet with people who want to draw on your support and seek your advice as well. I think you often learn just as much from them. So dedicating the time to that, I think is really important. And something I did at Battersea was I would at least once a week say yes to meeting with another fundraiser. And I always got more from it than I'm sure they got from meeting with me. But yeah, making the time for those coffees, I know it could be really hard when there's a lot to be done, but undoubtedly you will find it's time well spent. Mm. I'd love to talk on and on, Liz, but I guess my last question is, is maybe something you've already covered and you want to go into more depth or just something brand new. But if you were advising the Liz of 10 or 15 years ago about any other element to to do with making the most of and nudging on in in a helpful direction our career is there any other idea or advice you think that that Liz would have benefited from hearing I think certainly it's important to encourage yourself don't just wait for others to encourage you so don't let other people's expectations of you restrict what you do don't let other people tell you you can't do something or actually it'd be better for you to take a another step in your career or to go into a similar role really take the time to think about what's right for you we spend a lot of our time at work work is a big feature of our lives so to help you make the right choices about your career and and where you work you need to put the time in and don't limit your ambitions just seek relentlessly what you are going to love and as you say what's going to make your heart sing fantastic advice Liz thank you so much already I I hope your your ideas will have given people really good food for thought and maybe a little inspiration to take things in the direction they want to go in if people wanted to follow up with you what's your Twitter name so my Twitter name is Liz Tate or one word and Tate is T-A-I-T brilliant so uh, Liz thank you so much for making time for this call for all your ideas and advice I look forward to catching up with you soon for another interview. But for now, thank you. Goodbye. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you found our discussion helpful. To see a summary of the ideas, do check out the episode notes on the podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk. If you found today's episode helpful and you don't yet follow the show, please hit that follow button now wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss out on any of the other episodes we've got coming up. And if you'd like more help improving your professional skills and confidence, do take a look at our training and inspiration club for fundraisers, the Bright Spot Members Club. There are now more than 350 fundraisers in the club who get 24-7 access to a whole library of my best training films, as well as live training and special guest sessions every week. To find out more, go to brightspotmembersclub.co.uk forward slash join or if you're a manager and you'd like to find out about the power of team memberships and the discounts we provide for these do send me a message via the bright spot fundraising website finally thank you for making time for your own professional development by tuning in to listen to the podcast and thank you to those of you who find time to spread the word about the show i look forward to sharing more bright spot stories with you very soon (laughs) 